this is going to be a different message, not a standard sermon, um, but just bear with me with some of this. If you want to know who to vote for, you're going to need to know, you need to know a little bit about our government. I've heard many people say, maybe some of you have said, you know what, Christians just need to stay out of this. I mean, that's why they came up with the term separation of church and state, right? Which that's really not what the meaning of it it is, but I won't go into that. But just stay out of it, God. Just stay out of politics and the government. Just let the professionals, just let the politicians run things. Let me ask you some questions first. And I want you to physically answer um, yes or amen or whatever comes to your, your heart. Do you believe that our God is sovereign? Let me ask that again. Do you believe that our God is sovereign? Do you believe that He created all that there is? And because of this, do you believe that He rules and He reigns over everything that He created and what He says goes? Do you believe that? Okay. I hope you do because you're going to need to hold on to that belief as we go about this message. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Some portions I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Some will come from the New King James Version. But this I will be having on the screen and will be reading from the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Verse 1. Here we go. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from, say it, God. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now we could just sit there and camp out there for a while and just let that just sink in, but based on this verse, church, Based on this church, we believe that God created the institution of government. Can we not say that? It just said it right there. I did not say that. Those were not my words. That is God's word. God created the institution of government. From this verse, we know that God has approved. He has even ordained an earthly ruling system of civil government in which men ought to live by in this life. Now, based on this premise, and because our God is sovereign, because He reigns over everything, and He created the institution of government, my second little introductory point here is that all governments and government policies should then reflect His ultimate rule. Amen? We're just being basic here in church. It is as straightforward and as simple as that. Now, this doesn't mean that all of our politicians are serving God. It doesn't mean that every decision that is being made is of a godly choice. But listen, not only is God sovereign, He rules over everything, He reigns over all, our God also gives you and I free will and free choice. He combines the two, okay? And because of that, 
we can say that any governing authority put in place has been permitted by God. And if you can see, there is a progression here of of what I'm trying to lay out to you. First, we know that based on Scripture, God created, He ordained the institution of government and that all governments and government policy should reflect His ultimate rule. And number three, thus then that means that God must not be removed from government. Somebody say amen to that right there. Must not and cannot be. He created it. A lot of times whenever I'm doing wedding, wedding ceremonies, I tell you what, I don't know if there's something in the water, but there is a ton of weddings that I'm doing lately. I don't know what it is. But I will say in the weddings, if God created the marriage, then he knows how best to run it. He created it. He formed it. Go to him to help you in your marriage. And God created a government form, a government system. Thus, he must not be removed from government. As Christians, our worldview, our belief system must come from God and his word. Consequently, God, his word and what it says, should inform and influence our politics and determine how we should vote. Let me read that again. Say that again. As Christians, our worldview and belief system must come from God and His Word. Consequently, God, His Word, and what it said should inform and influence our politics and should determine how we vote. So the question that I have this morning is, what is the biblical role of government and its officials? I'm not talking very well today. Just bear with me. All right? I don't know why. What is the biblical role of government and its officials? Go back to Romans chapter 13, 1 through 5. Chapter, Romans chapter 13. Actually, let me see if I can do this. I recently had, my Bible was falling apart. And so I'm, I'm having it rebound. So I'm going to see if I can't pull this up right here on my computer here. So just give me a second here. Because I want to read from the New Living Translation. Beautiful. Here we go. It says, starting with verse 1 again. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Verse number two. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in, doing, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. Verse number four, the authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Based on God's word again, the role of the government And those who serve in the government is to promote and provide good living conditions for the well-being of its citizens. 
while also protecting them from any forces of evil. That is the role of the biblical role of government and its officials to promote and provide good living conditions for the well-being of all its citizens while also protecting them from any forces of evil. But I want us to zero in on verse 4 here just for a few, a few moments. Look at verse 4 and it's on the screen. It says, The authorities are God's servants sent for your good, but if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Notice notice what it says about our government and the government's officials. It says that they are what? Servants of God. Servant of God, that's just kind of what a pastor or a minister does. That's what we do in the church, right? No. A government under God and it's uh, uh, those who serve are to be servants of God. Have you ever thought of it like that before? Have you ever thought of your government officials and those who are serving in those positions to be servants? Not just your servants. Yes, they are. By the way, I'm not going to get up on, on this tangent. We are really not a true democracy. Do you know that? We're a republic. United States of America is a republic. That means we elect those who represent us as a nation. And what we believe should be right and wrong. But that's another topic there. They are to be servants of God. The government and those public officials serving in the government are to be working for God. Representing His laws and His ways. This church should be the one constant factor throughout our entire government system. Amen? Amen. Am I losing you? I don't hope I'm not. So if God created government, and Romans just told us the government and those who work in the government are to be servants of God, don't you think it only makes sense to elect Christians to serve in those roles? Oh, I didn't get too many amens on that one. Does it not make sense? It's his system. He created it. It only makes sense to put those who are going to be servants of God to carry out God's plan, or at the very least, to choose those whose policies best represent God's plan. Folks, let me remind you of what Psalm 33, 12 says. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people that He has chosen as His own inheritance. Um, I want to say some things. I don't know how you'll feel about this, but I feel strongly about this based on the history of America and what we're talking about. Uh, Our current president, some of you may have heard this a number of years ago, our current president made the statement, he said, quote, "Um, uh, we are no longer just a Christian nation, but a nation of many faiths. Do you remember when he said that? Now, I believe that our country should allow faiths, all faiths, people of all faiths, faiths to worship freely, providing they stay within the confines of the law. I believe that's what our country allows. That's the beauty of our country. However, I'm going to boldly say this. I also believe that our country should operate solely from a Judeo-Christian perspective. 
That may sound bold, that may sound controversial, but folks, it's true. Listen, those of you who were here Wednesday night and you saw Kirk Cameron's movie Monumental, you know that, you know that from the, even of the arrival of the pilgrims when they came, and beyond that, they came to start a nation that was built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And they also came, it says, to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. They came to promote, they came to evangelize this new world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's upon this gospel of Jesus Christ that this nation became the greatest, most prosperous, most powerful nation to ever exist. I'm not the only one to believe this. Our founding fathers knew that the key to a successful nation was the allegiance to the God of the Bible. I think why I'm having a hard time speaking is I'm excited about this message. I'm sorry. I have worked so hard. I've put so much. There's just so much here and here, so just bear with me. All right? Either that or I'll ask you to come up here and you preach it for me. All right? James Madison, fourth president of the United States, he said, We have staked the whole of our political instructions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government and upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, and to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Patrick Henry said it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our first Supreme Court Justice, Justice John Jay, said, quote, Americans should select and prefer Christians as their rulers. Notice I'm not saying any dictator-like statements here. No monarchy here. That's why they they went away from England, is to get away from the the queen and the king's rule to force them. This is all a choice, church. It's a choice. Our first president, President George Washington, said it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. One of the things that we learned in that movie on Wednesday night, and I didn't know this, is in the late 1700s, around 1790s, that the Congress commissioned that Bibles were to be made and created and given to those of the land. Bibles were... Can you imagine if the President of the United States commissioned the Congress to create Bibles for the entire country? Wow. It's just not my personal opinion, but from the the beginnings of our country through the founding fathers. We are a country that is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that is why we are what we are today. Our country was built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, but somewhere along the lines, we've gotten it wrong. We've gotten it mixed up. Most people, and some of whom may even be believers, seem to be more concerned with what candidate can best take care of their finances, 
What candidate can best take care of their checking accounts and their savings accounts, their retirement portfolios, or whoever has the most experience in foreign affairs that they can better protect our country? And I say that this reasoning is wrong. I believe it's wrong. I believe it's important. I believe these things are things that should fashion our opinion and should help us as we vote. But go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I believe this chapter, this portion of Scripture, is going to give us a blueprint of success. Deuteronomy chapter 28. We ought not just think, well, who can take care of us financially? Who's just going to get our jobs back in order? Who's going to, who has the most experience in foreign affairs and who can help protect us and save us from ISIS and all that? That should not be our driving force. Look, at this is a message that God has given to Moses to give to the people of Israel. And this is what he said. We'll read the first eight verses. He said this, and I believe he's saying it to our country as well. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. And you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Now listen to what he says he'll do. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He is giving you. That's it. Do you get the point that I'm making here, church? If we as a people and a nation will obey and serve God, if we will live according to His standards of what is right and morally right and wrong, then God will be the one who will bless our country financially. God will be the one who will bless as families. God will be the one who, pro, who will protect us as a nation. Amen? God will be the one who will do that for us. He will be the one who will provide for all of our needs. But we've gotten away from that, church. What have we done as a country? We have taken one of God's most fundamental gifts. We have taken life itself. And we've legalized murder by killing our unborn babies by the millions. Instead of calling it what it really is, a precious human being made in the image of God. We've changed the terms to fetus and tissue. As parents, I believe that one of our most critical jobs for our children is just protection. Protect our kids. Protect your children. I believe that protection starts at conception. Have you ever thought about that? It starts at conception. I know I have to be very careful here. I understand that. I've got to be very careful here. I'm not trying to be um, 
inconsiderate here. I'm not trying to be difficult or, or whatever, but I know there is a, a mindset there. It's like, well, when the mother's life is at risk, then you have to do what you have to do. M- my thinking... Do you love me? <laughs> uh, my, my thinking is if, if after my child is born and we're walking down the street and they, they break out into the street and a, and a car is coming and I have the chance to protect my child, do you think I'm not going to jump out and take their place? That's what we do. What is any difference whether or not the child is unborn yet or stillborn? The protection stays the same. Am I meddling? I don't believe I am. This is God's word. One of our main jobs as parents is to protect. But instead, we've made it about protecting the rights of women. We've changed God's definition of marriage by legalizing homosexual unions, calling natural that which God has called unnatural. Alcohol, drugs, the legalizing of marijuana for social use, sexual immorality is all running rampant in our schools and in our land. Folks, we've kicked God out of the very places that he created. He created the government. He created the educational system, but we've kicked him out of those places. Prayer and the Ten Commandments are no longer allowed. The Pledge of Allegiance that says one nation under God is disappearing. Let me remind you what Proverbs tells us. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We've placed the concept in God we trust with images such as this. That's where we're putting our hope and our trust today. We're putting it in man. We're putting it in a woman. But God says, no, trust me. Come to me. Obey me and my laws. I have blessed you for over 200 years, but instead we're making up T-shirts. Our hope is in Hillary. Our hope is in Donald. Trust me, our hope is not in them. It's in the God of the Bible. This election year, more than ever, I believe God is placing before us the words in Deuteronomy 30. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep His commandments, His decrees and regulations by walking in His ways. If you do this, that's the... The biggest, smallest word in the Bible, if. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you. You know, I don't know how this is, this is going, uh, I mean, how this is coming off, but I, I may be taking that, uh, uh, that trip with my family away next Sunday, just so you know, Lisa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the million dollar question that everyone seems to be asking who should I vote for? Who should I vote for? I am proposing to you today that that's really the wrong question. It's not who should you vote for, but it's how you should vote. What do I mean by that? 
If you came to me and you said, Pastor Brock, my life is a mess. It's in shambles. And you just told me about everything that's going on in your life. And you just told me how difficult life has been. You know, what's one of the first things I'm going to do? I'm going to take you to this right here. I'm going to take you to the Word of God. Because it and only it, Brock doesn't, only the Word of God has the answers to all of life's problems. If you come to me and you tell me my family is a mess or I'm in a mess at church or I'm in a relationship or there's problems that we're having in the church, what is the one source that we should go to that will help us through it all? It's the Word of God. However, when it comes to finding the answers as to what's wrong with our country, when it comes to finding the real solutions for the moral, social, and economic woes that are plaguing our country, what are we doing? We're changing books. We're no longer going to the, it's good, it's good for everything else, but when it comes to the problems of our country, many people will say, well, hey, I'm, I'm voting, I'm voting Republican because, well, my family's been Republican for the last hundred years, I vote Republican, or vice versa. My family's been a Democrat down through the years, and I can't, they'll, they'll, they'll tan my hide if they find out I vote un, not Republican. We're influenced by our traditions, we're influenced by our our personal preferences, influenced by CBS, NBC or NBC or MSNBC or Fox News or CNN, or we're influenced by so many things. But the Bible has somehow been deemed useless for how we should respond to the problem of our land. But I believe, this is not just something that a preacher says, but I believe that the same book who can heal and mend a broken heart can heal and mend a country that is broken. I believe that. I believe that. Church, we don't need a different book. Our nation just needs to get back to the good old book. It's time that we and the next president of the United States put their hands and their hearts back on the one book that can save all the word of God. Somebody say amen to that. So many in our land want God to, God bless America, land that I love, but they just don't want one nation under God. But I'm telling you that unless God and His revealed Word is the overarching influencer over how our electoral decisions are made, we cannot expect God to be the overarching influencer in our nation, nor can we expect God to pour out His blessings on us as a country. Remember It's you and I that were made in the image of God. Every part of our life should be patterned after Him and His ways. Yet many today want to reverse this. We're trying to make God after our image. Trying to make Him out to be, well, I agree, I'm preaching to the choir here, I get that. But you know, one of the things that Franklin Graham said when we went to that prayer rally in Columbus, what, what can you do other than, other than vote? Maybe there's someone, maybe more than just here, I get that. But you know, one of the things that Franklin Graham said when we went to that prayer rally in Columbus, what, what can you do other than, other than vote? Maybe there's someone, maybe more than just one person, maybe there's those of you who need to consider running for office. 
We need Christians in our political office today. We need people who will sit on school boards. And whenever uh, policies and decisions are made that go against the word of God, those things that are good, right, and decent, you take a stand on behalf of Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone in here that's thinking, you know what, I've been thinking about that. That's God talking to you. Some of you now are saying, but Pastor Brock, at voices today. We don't have much to choose from, right? I hear you saying that. So what do we do? As that we are mandated to choose the candidate, the platform, the party, the policy that will best represent the values of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what God says is right and wrong, and I believe it's as simple as that. You choose the choice that, bo- that best represents what God says is right and wrong. Start with the issues of morality and social justice. At the very least, choose the one who comes closest to what God is pleased with. Our job, my job, your job is to know the issues, what the candidates stand for, and compare them to how they line up with God's laws and ways. On your way out today, I'm going to have the ushers give you a voter guide. It has a lot of the key issues and and how each candidate stands on each one. That is up to you on what you want to do with that. Just ask that you take just one per person or, or one per family, per couple, Um, I'm not sure how many we have for for everyone, but look at that. That's our job is to know what the candidates stand for and to choose God's side. Church, listen, more than anything, and I I know I've got to bring this in for Landy, more than anything, it's about this. It's about the Supreme Court. Listen, the next president will have the ability to choose at least three, four, five Supreme Court justices. Justices that have the opportunity to change the course of our country for the next 100 years. Each candidate has made public statements on the kind of justices that they would appoint. I'll allow you to do the legwork and and go read what each candidate has said that they want their justices to be about. I have my personal opinion, but that's just me. Have you ever wondered... Who God would vote for? (laughs) I mean, whose side is God on? Is he a Democrat or is he a Republican? Don't answer that. Let me try and wrap all this up this morning by reading a passage from the story of Joshua and Jericho. Told Joshua, get ready to take the And I want you to listen to what happened. Joshua and the Israelites prepared to go to war against the city of Jericho. This is what it tells us in Joshua 5. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, and stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for adversaries? So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. 
what just happened here. Joshua wanted to decide this and was on. Was it his side or was he on the side of Jericho? But what did the angel say? He basically said, neither. I'm not on your side, I'm on their side, but I'm on God's side, is what he said. Church, this must be our answer today. We need to be on God's side. God has not given his allegiance to any one party. He, does, he is not a he is not a Republican. He is of the party of one himself, and that's all that there is. What we say, how we live, how we vote, who we support must be for God, His Word, His truth. As a believer and a child of the King, to even consider casting a vote for someone or something that would go against what God thinks should be out of the question. I've also heard people just say, well, I'm just not going to vote this year. May I be so bold as to say that anyone taking this approach, I believe, is shunning their responsibility of being a voice for God and a voice for righteousness. Vote. I encourage you to vote. Make a difference. Again, I know I, personal preferences, we don't, I mean, it's, it's crazy this year. I'm not crazy about any of the choices. But I do have a choice. And I do have a voice. Lastly, and then I'm done. Even though I have referred to uh, the presidential election that is coming up, everything that I have talked about today does not start with the individual who will be sitting in the Oval Office Church. Don't confuse that. I'm not talking about the next president necessarily. I am, but I'm not. But it starts with you and me. It starts with one nation under God. I read this verse before. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Folks, that nation is you and me. You and I are the ones that make up that We as a nation stand up and choose that which is good and right, that which is pure and holy in the eyes of our eternal God. God is giving us choice today. Are you still with me? I want to ask Ruth, you'll come up at this time. I want to thank Ruth. She, for months now, has felt the burden on Sunday nights to gather people together and pray for our nation and pray for our country. And we're going to, I'm going to end with the passage, and then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to show you just a, a two-minute video, and then we're going to dismiss and close. Um, and I want to thank Ruth for her heart and her passion for leading this effort in our church. Let me read a passage that Franklin Graham actually read that day on the steps of our capital in Columbus. It's from Nehemiah. Nehemiah was serving as the cupbearer for the Persian king. And the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. They had been destroyed. And 
and uh, he wanted to go back and rebuild it, but he first received a report about the condition of Jerusalem and the walls. And it really should mirror our words today. Listen to what he said. You don't have to turn there, but Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah speaking said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and I fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and the regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then I, then if, then even if you are exalted to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. Church, that's what we need to do today. We need to pray that God would forgive us, that God would heal our land that we would invite God back into our country once again. Sister Ruth, would you just come, just close us with a word of prayer? I pray that God will lead you. I pray that you will see that there is a spiritual construct that we need to have about this whole process and that God would indeed lead us and guide us. Sister Ruth, lead us in prayer, please. Father, we thank you for this word of truth that has rung within our hearts. Thank you for the inspiration and the study that Pastor Brock has put in to bring us this message today. We want to be on the Lord's side. And so, Father, as each of us take our responsibility to go out and vote, first, Lord, we want to remember that we are your people. Yes. And that we must humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. And Lord, we believe that your people all over this nation are doing this. And you have promised that you will forgive our sin and heal our land. And so, Father, as we go into these final days, that will really determine the future of our nation, we remember that you are sovereign, that we are not citizens of this world, but of another world, that we belong to the kingdom of God, and that there is nothing that can happen in our election that is more important than this kingdom of God. And however it comes out, Lord, we are trusting you for, for our salvation, the walk that we walk before the of this nation.
And we will pray for our leaders, and we will trust you, Lord, that you are bringing about, according to your word, you set up kings and you remove them. But as we, as citizens, go out to cast our vote, let us know that we are voting in the way that would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. quick two-minute video and then we'll be dismissed guys try and get that going and sister louise you can come up whenever begins with choices from the moment we wake up our day consists of endless opportunities to choose our choices are driven by our values our dreams and our faith. Sometimes we stand out for our choices. Other times we may not see how our choices affect those around us. Some choices are easy. Others require more serious thought and prayer. On November 8th, Americans have an important choice to make. A choice that will shape our nation for years to come. Join 90 million Christians as we cast our votes based on our faith, our hopes, and our prayers for America. Make the pledge to vote from a biblical worldview. Because what we believe matters. Will you stand with me and let's be dismissed. Father, we come before you today and we have been reminded that your hand is in every decision that we make. And Lord, we need to make certain that we are making decisions that line up with your word. Father, as we look to you and to your word for guidance in this matter of voting, we pray, Father, that you will be very clear to us that we will know without a shadow of a doubt what we are to do, who we are to back, and then, Father, as your people, we are to follow them whether it is the person that we chose or not, but that you have established them and that you are still in control no matter what. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to you. Be with us as we leave this place now. Watch over and guide us. We ask this in your name. Amen.